Before we get to episode 162 and my interview with Emily, I have this brief message for you. Please support the Keystone Chapter of the National Federation of the Blind of Pennsylvania. Go to supportkeystonechapter.org, scroll down, and in the text field, put in any amount you like. Any amount. I am not kidding. This is episode 162, so why not donate $1.62? Or you could donate $162. That would be okay, too. But any amount is great, and we would really appreciate it. That's supportkeystonechapter.org. I really appreciate your help, and thank you so much. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 162 of the I Can't See You podcast. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials. I really appreciate you joining me for today's episode, and I've got a great one lined up today because it's more than just me talking. We'll get to Emily in a minute or two, but before we get to Emily, I did want to bring this update for those that care, and I know Frank is probably listening, so he cares. <laughs> it is a fantasy hockey update. And who likes fantasy hockey more than Frank and I? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's others in our league that do. Frank beat me last week. He is the Ice Pugs. The thing that really stinks about last week's match between Frank and I, I would have beaten any other team in the league last week, except Frank. And I happen to be playing Frank, so that kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> I fell, as I said last week, if I lost, I fell from first to fourth, because there's a bunch of us with the same records, but I have a lot less points. COVID has ravaged my team, although I found out today that I did get a couple of players back, Claude Giroux and Connor McDavid. Very excited about that. So uh, I'm playing the Blind Flyers today. I'm not quite sure uh, if they are in the Philadelphia area or not, or they just like the orange and black, or they are a pilot or used to be a pilot and are now blind, um, or are still a pilot and flying blind. Uh, I think there's an expression there somewhere. <laughs> but like I said, I'm fourth and um, still a lot of fun. You know, the COVID stuff I could do without, and I'm sure everybody in the league would agree, you know, juggling the roster and uh, the injured reserve list looking like a CVS receipt as long as they are. Uh, but teams are starting to come around and less games seem to be getting postponed. So hopefully that will that will work out as we move forward. And while we're talking about sports, and this is why... I brought it up in the first place because this is a sports-centric episode today. Because, you know, the holidays are done, which, of course, you know. I think everybody knows. And it is time to concentrate on winter sports. You know, football season is in the playoffs, uh, which is very cool. Uh, winter Olympics are coming up. Hockey and, I guess, to a lesser degree, basketball, if you care for basketball much. I mean, I like the Sixers. Don't get me wrong. It's just not my my sport that I would watch very often. Um, but Emily, who is going to join us now, is a blind snowboarder. And I thought it would be very cool to have her on with the Olympics coming up and the Paralympics just after the Olympics in Beijing. And, and the Paralympics will be in Beijing also uh, from the 4th to the 13th of March. And Emily and I talk about that. Emily is based in British Columbia now where she trains and I just think it is amazing to think about going down the hill at however fast they go, whether you measure it in kilometers per hour or miles per hour, it's still fast, and I think I would be scared to death to do it right now. 
If I could see a little better, maybe. But because I still, at 57 years old, have trouble with my right and my left, <laughs> I don't think there could be enough coaching and people telling me which way to go. That would be okay. <laughs> so please welcome to the I Can't See You podcast, Emily Trepenier. And she is joining us from British Columbia. Emily, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me on. It is really great to speak with you today, and I appreciate you coming on. And uh, to let the folks know, we were introduced by mutual friend Max Ivey, the blind blogger. He's been helping you with your podcast, and uh, I thought it would be a cool idea with the Winter Olympics and the Paralympics coming up uh, to get you on, because how many people know about blind snowboarders? I certainly didn't until... Uh, Max brought that to my attention, and I actually saw the postings in Facebook and whatnot. But before we get into the podcast and the snowboarding in general, why don't we go into a little bit of your backstory? Were you born visually impaired or blind, or did that develop over your lifetime? Give us a little background on uh, your visual impairment and how you've handled that. For sure. So I was actually born totally blind. So they only figured out something was going on at around age two and it was actually not even the doctors that had noticed it at first it was actually my mom who had noticed that I was only staring at lights I wouldn't stare at any optics or anything and so she's like there's something wrong there's something wrong here there's something not quite right so she brought me to the doctors and explained what was going on and at first the doctors were like no no everything's okay she's she's just she it's just what she's doing um nothing's wrong and my mom's like no there's definitely something wrong because she's only staring at light she won't like focus on any object even when we like give an object to her she won't focus on anything whereas uh, I am the youngest of two other sisters and one brother and so my brothers and sisters um they obviously would be like playing with different optics and like not just like focusing on with light so my mom knew right then and there that there was something wrong but um it took the doctors a little while to be convinced that something was wrong um so eventually they did end up doing a whole bunch of different tests just to like see if they could find anything. And it was determined that I was actually indeed um, legally blind. Um, I have underdeveloped optic nerves. So basically they didn't develop properly at birth. And so they were slow to develop and the one hasn't like fully developed fully. And the other one has developed, but it's not like properly developed. So that's what's caused my uh, like, the main portion of my legal blindness. So I actually gained uh, a bunch of vision as I got a little bit like older, I would say like, um, like when I was like five or six, I had about a bunch more vision. I remember having a bunch more vision at that time. And then I got glasses and uh, it was just like learning to like work with the vision that I had and just like I was still in like the public school system at the time and had like one-on-one -on -one support from a bunch of people to like get me through schooling. And then I would say about age nine or 10, I started like losing, like started losing a little bit more of vision and they weren't a hundred percent sure 
why at the time. And they're still not really 100% sure why. Um, but I ended up losing a bunch of vision in my left eye. And so I only have vision in my right eye now. And it's close up. But I had a bunch of vision when I was younger. And then it just like slowly has disappeared over uh, many years. Um, so it was around that same time when I was nine or 10 that they decided um, it would be best for me to go to a school for the visually impaired back um, in Ontario, Canada, where I was living. Um, I had, they had the choice of sending me when I was uh, at the age of six, but my mom and dad didn't think it was the right time for me to be going. And they weren't really sure if how well I would be there because I was really much when I was younger, I really liked to be close to family and close to the home. So they weren't really sure how that was going to go if suddenly they send me to a school because the school you actually stay there during the week and then oh, just wow. go home on the and then go home on the weekends. So okay. you can imagine someone who's six years old who likes to stay at home and likes to be with family. Right. Um, it might not work so well, right? So, but then once they realized that I was starting to struggle in like, like the public the school system that I was a part of and the fact that I could be losing a little bit more vision, they decided to try out the school. And honestly, it was a really good experience uh, going to that school. Suddenly I got more support that I needed and I was able to like learn so much at that school. Um, still went through like all of the schooling that like a person who isn't blind would go through which just was like slightly different taught obviously because everyone at the school is either blind or visually impaired or had some vision right so yeah so that's the how that's um so I've always been uh blind okay um but that's a little bit of the longer answer okay no, no, that's okay. Um, and I, I just, before we move on, um, was it easier when you went to that school as far as friends go, because the, the kids at the school kind of knew where you were coming from, as opposed to when you were in the public school, you know, just like today, you know, I have friends that, you know, just some of them don't get that, you know, Hey, the bathroom's right over there. And, you know, of course they're pointing somewhere and, yeah. you know, I don't know what they're pointing at. And, no, and even, that's, so that's was it easier? Yeah, that's a really great question. And the short answer is, yeah, it's so much easier when I went to um, the school where every one of us was either visually impaired or blind because suddenly we were all on the same, like, same field, right? We were all right. dealing with the same things, even though uh, the level of blindness was different from each, like, from person to person. But I feel like it was easier to connect with those, with my the friends that I made and all the people that I met at the school because they, like you said, they get it right. And right. it's just, it works so much easier. Um, I will say though, that when I did end up graduating from the school, um, transitioning to post-secondary school. So like college and university actually ended up being a lot easier. It was a regular college and university, but it was a lot easier because I had learned a bunch of like skills going to the school for the blind. Uh, and so I was able to take those skills and like use them in post-secondary. And so it made it easier then. But I feel like if I didn't 
go to that school and it's like so I stayed in like the regular school system and then uh transitioned to post-secondary from there I feel like it would be a lot harder because I wouldn't have as like I wouldn't have all the skills that I learned at the the school for the blind so yeah it does make it a lot easier and I'm guessing that would have been you you may have gotten those skills but that would have been that would have had to have been gotten outside of your regular schooling it would have been you know in addition to your regular school yeah it would have been a lot I feel like it would look a lot differently so Okay. Um, and how did you, uh, were, were you always interested in sports? How did you get interested in, in snowboarding and mm-hmm. any other sports that you may be interested in? Yeah. So when I was really young, I always loved it when the Olympics came on the TV. Okay. Um, especially for whatever reason, the winter Olympics. So I would literally be like, I would literally be asking my family when it would be coming on. And I would literally like glue myself right in front of the TV so that I could like try to see what was happening on the TV. And I remember my mom saying that if you sat too close to the TV, you're going to make things worse for your eyes. And I'm like, I didn't care. So I always snuck in when everybody was like not watching. And I would like still like sit super close to the TV because I wanted to see what was happening. Right. I was so curious. And I always thought that it would be super cool to be one of those athletes who were competing at the Olympics. Um, and so that's sort of like my first taste of it. Okay. And then when I went to the school for the blind in my second year, I met my best friend, who we are still best friends, uh, even though we're almost 5,000 miles apart oh, right wow. now. Um, she had been part of a special program. Uh, called the track three program since she okay. was four years old and basically that program teaches people with disabilities how to ski and snowboard oh, wow. so she had been a part of that program and she was telling me a little bit about it and I it sounded really interesting to me so they invited me to come check it out one night and I honestly I fell in love I was so happy at the being on being at like the hill and on the snow and stuff that I ended up um I ended up applying to be one of their students for the next season. Um, And so I actually started out as a skier. Okay. Um, And then the one night my guide ended up getting injured, not on the hill, but like outside of like uh, outside of the program, he ended up getting injured. Um, And so my best friend actually had two guides at the time. And so she, they were like, well, since your guide isn't here do you want to try out snowboarding I'm like sure why not what's the worst that could happen and I tried it out and absolutely fell in love with it and haven't gone back to skiing since so oh wow okay and um so how does uh how, how do you do how do you actually do snowboarding do you are you tethered or is someone is someone near you saying hey go you know I, there's an old movie called um 
better off dead. And, uh, you know, there's a scene in the movie where, you know, they're at the top of the mountain and the, this one girl who's, a, who's supposedly from France, you know, the guy's afraid to go skiing down this giant, you know, you know, I guess it was black diamond, whatever. And, um, and she's like, what's so hard you go this way, then go that way, then go this way. And you're doing it with a French accent. And she said, you know, it's not, it's not hard. Here's how you do it. And then she just did it. And, uh, you know, Ooh. is that, is that what it's like? Is somebody, you know, either in front or I guess behind you telling you, okay, go, you know, go left a little, how does it work? Um, so that's a really good question. So, um, in the beginning, they had me covered, but that only lasted like less than an hour because we were finding the cover was actually creating more issues than it what it should have been. So we okay. quickly got rid of the tether. Um, but uh, I actually have, I always have um, two people with me when I'm going down the hill. Okay. Um, um, at the very least one person, but we try always for two people. That way the one person can focus on guiding me and the other person can focus on watching what's going on around me to make sure like people aren't going to run into me okay. because there are people out there who don't know sometimes how to like go down the hill properly and safely. So okay. um, we've got to run into a few times, but <laughs> um, Thankfully, uh, everyone has survived, so that's okay. good. Um, right. So, yeah, I always have someone either in front of me, beside me, or behind me. Okay. And then we actually use special headsets that go in our helmets. Okay. And so we can, it's like a two-way system, so we can, we're constantly talking to each other, so I can talk to them, they can talk to me. And then we have, like, specific words that we use to help with guiding me down the, down, like, the, the mountains and stuff. So, okay. Um, it's like a special language that I've worked on with all of my coaches over the years that I've been training and racing. And so that's what we use to get down the hill. Um, and then we also wear um, bright orange neon vests that mine says blind rider and okay. my guides have guides on them just so okay. people are aware that I am blind going down the hill. So hopefully they will watch out for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> So what you're saying is you're not going down the same time as other blind folks are going down. I, I mean, I guess it could happen, but usually not. Um, when I'm training, it's possible that it could happen. Okay. But there's always like people that are dedicated just to guiding me down the hill. Okay. Um, when I'm racing, it's, I don't go down with other people when I'm racing. So, okay. um, but when I'm training, it's very possible that there are others, there's other blind people going down the hill at the same time, but they have, they would have their own team and I would have my own team. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so talking about racing, uh, I did mm -hmm. notice that there are three sports, uh, three snowboard, uh, events in, uh, the Paralympics and, um, there are. So there's, so there's the cross, the snowboard cross, and then the, um, I uh, forget the one, uh, the, the giant slalom. And then there was bank another slalom. slalom. And then slalom. Oh, bank slalom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So which yeah. one do you participate in all? Are you trying for all or? I am working on giant slalom. Giant slalom. So um, snowboarding only started at the Paralympics in 2014. Okay. So the sport is very much in its developmental stage right now. Um, so not all the classifications are into the Paralympics right now quite yet. They're still being developed and worked on. 
Okay. Um, so my classification is actually still being developed, okay. being worked on, but we've they've made quite a bit of progress so far. So hope fingers crossed. And, uh, there's been a lot of momentum that's been happening um, to get my category into the Paralympics. So we're just, um, and then this, when the pandemic hit, it kind of delayed things a whole bunch of, so okay. um, things are kind of a little bit behind of schedule what they should be, but it's a work in progress. Okay. And uh, there's exciting things coming up. I can't fully say what those are yet because I don't 100% know yet. I'm okay. just told that there's big things coming up for the for the sport of para snowboarding and it, it it's it's that's coming so i just it's trying to be a bit more patient and just working at uh, working through it one day at a time so but okay. yeah so but yeah the i'm my okay. specialty and the one that i'm working on is giant slalom so okay now i noticed when i was looking at the different uh events that there are subcategories and i'm guessing that's what you're talking about with your uh, I yeah. noticed that if there's an upper body issue yeah. or a lower body yeah. issue. So, yeah. and, and I, and I'm thinking, Hmm, I wonder how that works for, you know, someone who is blind because, you know, obviously yeah. your legs are good. Your arms are good. It's, you know, yeah. you just can't see. Um, yeah. not that yeah. that's a, you know, not that that makes it easier or harder. Uh, it just yeah. makes it different. Yeah. 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 There's definitely subcategories and yeah. And that's what the classifications are. That's what I was referring to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm guessing that folks are basically, you're competing against each other, but it's basically a, you know, a timed event, you know, like basically. Most. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a okay. timed event. Um, that being said, I have raced against like different categories before. Okay. So I've actually raced against someone who's, um, using like a sit ski and me okay. uh, blind, but, uh, but we're not like on the, the race course at the same time, obviously. Okay. Um, but yeah, we try to do it. So like, it's all in the same category, but sometimes just depending on who's at the races and stuff, it just all depends. So. Okay. Um, as far as, um, snowboarding in general, in the Olympics, I'm, I'm guessing, and, and I've never, I've never, you know, with, with sports like a, like hockey or football or Mm -hmm. soccer or whatever when you watch when you listen on the radio it's very descriptive now i've never olympic sport wise i've never listened on the radio where it's you know you you have it on tv and you know somebody could be going down the hill doing skiing whatever it is and you have no idea oh they made a good turn there and meanwhile they're <laughs> talking about you know you know something else that the person has done or you know they live in wherever and with their husband right. or their wife or whatever so so it's hard to follow um yeah. is there when you watch now is there um is there a way that you can follow do you do you watch it on tv or um, is there radio coverage that you listen that may be a little bit more descriptive it's gotten better over the years and they're starting to do more like descriptive video Okay. Uh, in certain places where you can like listen to it and like watch it on TV. Okay. I know they definitely didn't do that a lot. A few, like a while ago, they weren't doing that. So I think it, it's starting, and I think they're doing that for both the Olympics and the Paralympics now. I don't know if they're doing it fully yet, but I know they've started doing that. Okay. Um, one of the places that I really like to watch stuff like that is uh, I think it's 
I think the website is called Paralympic TV. Okay. Um, but I don't know the website off the top of my head because I don't have to use it except for when like the Olympics and the Paralympics come along. Right. But I right. can every, definitely every four like, years, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. so I don't know it off the top of my head, okay. but I believe it's called Paralympic TV. Okay. Or the or if you can also look, yeah. I think it's called Paralympic TV. I think that's like the general one. Okay. I'll take a look and I'll put something in the show notes with the, with the link to that, uh, okay. if I can find that out. So that's, uh, okay. yeah, that's interesting. I can interesting. always I was, look, I can always look, because I think I have, I have it written down somewhere. Okay. I obviously use it, but. Okay. Yeah, it's um, you know, I was I was thinking about that because I lo- I also love the Winter Olympics. I love and yeah. and the snowboard racing and yeah. um, and stuff like that. And it's for so some cool. reason, yeah, it's it's just especially the one and I don't know what it's called. Where and again, I also have a little bit of I have a little bit of sight. And and to me, it looked like chaos on the side of a mountain where there's like six <laughs> six people going down at one time, and oh. you see thing you see guys oh. flying over other people, and and I'm thinking, oh yes. my god, I you know if, you, oh, if that guy that stood one? up, he'd have a the snowboard right in his ear. I mean, <laughs> it just, I forget it, what that's called. I think it's like a snowboard relay or snowboard cross relay or something like that. Yeah, just just so cool. I just love that, and um, and uh, but you know, I never remember when it was, and um, <laughs> you know, now now that the you know coming up in a few weeks with the Olympics coming on, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, finally the. Um, you know, the talking guide on, you know, our cable system now works. So I'll be able to get the description of all the events That's that are awesome. going to be on. So now I'll be able to hopefully find it. And um, you might and even watch be that. able to do descriptive video for your TV guide then. Right. Try that. Right. Right. And that's, yeah, that's something that, um, you know, it's very hit or miss, um, you know, with, with TV shows and, and talking to, uh, talking to a friend, you know, even from, uh, in one series, you know, one episode will have descriptive audio and then the next one won't, it just, there's just no rhyme or reason. And, uh, (laughs) it's very frustrating when you can't, you know, it's fine. It's fine when you're watching with someone who is sighted, assuming they stay awake to watch the whole episode with you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but if they fall asleep yeah oh yeah you know i i I can't tell you how many times with my wife i'm like liz what does that say or what's going on right now and and she's sleeping and i gotta rewind it and i say come on liz what is that so uh when they start talking in a different language and there's like the subtitles in the bottom of like the screen and they're like i can't read that what does that say (laughs) what are they saying right i've come i've gotten to the point where sometimes i will pull out my phone and either use seeing ai or envision and just pause it you know because we have the the dvr so i will just pause it you know and then and and then just use that if i really want to know if it's something like if i watch another five minutes i'm like wait what just why is that happening and then i'll go back and then i'll (laughs) say i better see what this guy said yeah Um, so um yeah that is that is very cool that uh uh, about the olympics and the paralympics with uh with snowboarding it's exciting it's a very exciting time yes um the pandemic definitely like delayed a lot of things but now that we're like getting back to some normalcy things are starting to go move like move forward now so it's very exciting Right. Now, um, I noticed when when you when I heard you on Outlook on Radio Western, um, you had talked about you were living in Ontario and you moved to British Columbia. Was there was that for training or just a general lifestyle move? Yeah. So I used to live in Ontario. And so I ended up I moved to British Columbia a little over a year and a half ago. Um, that's 
a lot of my training has actually over the last few years, especially have been out West here in British Columbia. Um, So it made sense to like move closer to the area where I was training because when I was living in Ontario, I would have to go like to British Columbia for like weekend training or like weekday training and then go back to Ontario, which gets really expensive really, really quickly. And and the right. time change as well uh, right. it takes it's tricky to like get like figure out, especially when you're only going there for a short period of time. So it made sense just to like move closer to where the training was and more of the opportunities were because I had been training in Ontario and I was racing in Ontario, but it was only like a small bit of like training and racing, but the bigger opportunities and get to 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 work towards my goal, the next step was getting out west and training with the the people here out west. So okay. it just made sense to move out there. And then okay. I was also offered a full time permanent position with one of the school boards out here. So oh, it was meant great. to be. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, did you move out on your own, or did you uh, did family move out with you, or you, you do it independently? I moved out on my own. I did have family support that helped move all of my stuff from Ontario to BC. Okay. So it's me and darling that are living in our apartment. Okay. So. And how did she do with the move? Did she do okay with the move? She was fine with the move. <laughs> yeah. She's she's I'm so lucky. Both of my dogs have done so well with like the like my active, busy and lifestyle and like even like the transition from Ontario to British Columbia. She did fine. Um she's actually originally from california so this is more of the climate that she's would have been used to anyways growing up as a pup so okay um she's been fine with it totally fine (laughs) she loves going to the beach and loves going to the mountains and stuff so okay she's good she loves it yeah now are are you close so and that's one thing I, i have to tell you that um when things were going a little haywire here in the U.S. a uh, yeah. year and a half or so ago, right after the pandemic started with all the rioting and stuff that happened a little bit after that, oh, yeah. you know, I started to think, you know, where, you know, if we needed to leave, if we, you know, if things really went crazy, where would we go? And, you know, I've always yeah. wanted to move to where it's warm and, you know, <laughs> beachy and, and I thought, but, you know, you can't, you know, there was, you know, very little air traffic and, you know, right. maybe, maybe you could at least go into Canada and, <laughs> <laughs> I started looking at places, you know, easy place to drive would, of course, be, you know, I'm on the East Coast, so would be, mm-hmm. you know, Ontario, Quebec, you know, the Maritimes right. and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. And I, one of the funniest things that I saw, and it haunts me to this day, because I thought I, I didn't notice it at first as I was looking at different places, you know, and, and the, the, the exchange between, you know, US dollars and Canadian dollars, you kind of get a bonus, you know, uh, you know, with the U.S. dollar, but one of the right. things that really—I don't want to say scared me—there was on every listing, average days above twenty degrees uh-huh. per year, and you know, the most I think I ever saw was like hundred and twenty. And and if you're listening in the U.S., twenty is is sixty-eight degrees Fahrenheit. So <laughs> I want to move to where it's warm, and yet I'm looking at something that says maybe at best the most days you're going to get above sixty-eight degrees is one third of the year. The other two thirds <laughs> is going to be below. And I thought, oh, I just can't do it. I just can't. You do should it. move to the West coast. 
of Canada then. <laughs> well, I, you know, and I looked, you, you know, that's, that's what I said to my wife, because I've always, I've never been out West, uh, to, yeah, the, and, beautiful. and it's, it's I, beautiful. you know, I looked at places on Vancouver Island and I thought, man, this yeah. looks great. But then again, yeah. I saw that average days above 20 <laughs> and I saw, you know, 107, 114. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just, I, you know, okay. You know, and, and then I was reading on some boards. Yeah. You get to go to the beach like three and a half weeks a year. <laughs> No, <laughs> because what? because it's because that's you know you never want to gonna gonna want to go in the water because it's always it's always chilly out and and um, yeah it does. I and always it, go for beach walks and stuff though. Yeah, oh, right, exactly, right, and that's yeah. and the one thing that I thought was very interesting there, uh, you know, was the proximity of both the beach and the mountains yes. within a very short distance. Yeah, um, it's awesome. So I have the ocean close by. And so okay. in the summer months, I actually do stand up paddleboarding as my cross training sport. Okay. And so I have the ocean close by. So that's awesome. And then I have mountains close by and it's really easy to get to the mountains as well. So it's like the best of both worlds. And so I'm living in mainland where okay. usually there's the weather is fairly it I mean in the wintertime it does get rainy here in the okay. mainland but usually when it's raining in the mainland it's like crazy snowing in the mountains that are close by so okay uh, it's fine <laughs> okay so um you talked about cross training with the paddle boarding do you ever do skateboarding does have you ever done that I want to try skateboarding actually and I want to try longboarding okay I haven't tried either of those yet but that's on my list of things to do <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and um, as far as while you're training, whether it's summer or winter, I'm I'm guessing you're training with other folks who have similar ambitions, you know, Paralympics and and things like that. So you're getting friendly with. Um. So in the summer months, I privately train actually. Okay. Um, with my coaches. Okay. Um, and that's for uh, stand-up paddleboarding. And for all the like land-based training, so like okay. the gym training and the yoga stuff. So I actually okay. do it privately. And then in the winter months, it's a little bit more with people because I'm part of like race, like the different race teams. Um, so there are other people that are training as well. So yeah. Okay. With all of that, what was the, uh, with the training and um, you, you started a podcast, and did, was, yeah. was that so folks could follow along and you could kind of tell your story about how things that or why don't you talk a little about the podcast? Yeah. So about it. So a few years ago, I actually heard of something called the Holman Prize and okay. it's run through the lighthouse for the blind in San Francisco, California. Right. And so basically what it is for the listeners who don't know what it is or even for you, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Holman yes. Prize or not. Yes. Um, it's basically you apply, uh, you can apply if you're blind and it's basically if you have an, like a dream or ambition to do something or to make something, you can apply for special funding. And if you are chosen as one of the three people, um, they will essentially give you a whole bunch of money for a year and they'll help you get whatever it is you want to work on uh, into more like a reality. Okay. Um, so I had learned about the Holman Prize a few years ago and I thought it would be kind of interesting to, um, to apply to just to get some more funding. Okay. And my original plan was to actually make a website 
um, because with Paris snowboarding and from what my experience was as I was getting to like be more serious with Paris snowboarding and like wanting to really compete at the Paralympics and be like a high performance athlete. Um, one of the things I noticed as I was getting there is the the resources that you have as an like an athlete, they're all they're out there, but it's not like all in one area. So my plan was to like create a website where we could put all of the information instead of it being some of this in one website and another in a different website. Okay. It'd be all in one area. So it'd be all in one it'd be a lot easier for say an athlete who was just starting out and looking up information and wanting to learn more about it. Um, they wouldn't have to like do a whole bunch of like research and to figure out where they need to look. Instead, they could just go to this website and they could like search it up and okay. it would be right there for them. So it'd just be a little bit easier for them to look, like get the information that they needed. Cause okay. that was the one thing that I noticed when I started out but it took me a long time to find a bunch of information and the resources that I needed. So my original plan was to apply to the Holman Prize and so that I could gain money to create a website to help the support of Paris snowboarding and also to like network more people to get more um, to help discover more uh, Paris snowboarders out there, especially blind Paris snowboarders snowboarders because that's where they're really wanting to develop right now um they're constantly looking to see where they are at because they're out there but they just haven't been like fully discovered yet so i applied for the holman prize and ended up making it as a semi-finalist and so in order to apply for the holman prize you have to make a 90 second a video and you have to put it on youtube and it sort of like explains what you would be using the money for um it's sort of like a pitch video okay if you will um and so they were all up on youtube and then max um also had applied to the holman prize to help uh create the woi excuse network because he wanted to help uh he wanted to help uh make a podcasting network um for new podcasters um that had disabilities so that was his sort of like thing that he wanted to use the money for so we both ended up being semi-finalists but unfortunately neither of us were finalists and then he was watching like the the pitch videos on youtube and found me and then reached out to me and so we started talking about each of our goals and max was like well why don't you make a podcast and like share your adventures of how you are doing and like how the sport of hair snowboarding is like growing and what things are happening in the like the sport of hair snowboarding so that more people could learn about the sport and maybe they'd be interested in being if they're blind if they they'd be interested in being like a snowboarder or becoming a pair snowboarder or if there's someone out there who wants to help the sport of hair snowboarding they could reach out and help out the help out in some way shape or form so that was kind of how the podcast was born so okay gotcha and uh, just so folks uh, uh max that she's speaking about is uh the max ivy blogger, the blind yeah. blogger yeah and yeah. um 
Max and I had met. Max has been on a couple of times. Uh, we met a couple Max of years is ago. Awesome. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he talk about networking. He is uh, yes. he is great at that, and uh, he is. And uh, it's um, you know it was it was just amazing to be around him when uh, when we were in Orlando together a few years ago, and uh, and watching him work. Mm-hmm. I am terrible at networking. I I will not go up to people. You know, I'm. It, it's very challenging to me to you know sometimes I walk up to someone and somebody might start talking and I might think they're talking to me, but meanwhile, there's somebody yeah. else there they're talking to. So I'm, <laughs> I'm always nervous about that. And, and, and I have a couple of friends who are blind that, you know, have no problem walking up to somebody and just, you know, kind of basically blocking their way. Hey, could you tell me what this street sign says here or what this is or what that is? Mm-hmm. And I, I am just not that way. And, and, um, and he is, and he is great at the networking and, um, he is, yeah. and getting, you know, doing outreach and, and everything else. So, uh, so Definitely. that is great. So it's been opening up a lot of doors for me since we started working together. So that's I'm really awesome. happy that I found him. So. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is awesome. So you launched the podcast. What is the podcast called? The podcast is called shredding for gold. Okay. And you can find it at www.shreddingforgold.com. Okay. And I'm assuming you're on, besides being on the What's Your Excuse Network, you're yeah. you're on Apple and Spotify yeah, and, and, should and be. those sorts. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if we're on Spotify yet. I know that's a work in progress. Okay. I haven't checked in the last few weeks to see if it's up yet. I know that that was being worked on. Okay. But we're definitely on Apple. We're definitely on Google. Definitely okay. on a few other spaces. But okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think when I, when I listened, as I mentioned, when, when I heard you on Outlook, um, you know, I think I, I pulled it down from Apple cause that's where I usually listen, yeah. where I grab it. Yeah. So it's definitely and, on Apple. <laughs> and, and how have you liked, how have you liked doing it? I love it. Okay. I absolutely love it. Um, I feel like I'm getting better each time I do an episode. I feel like I'm getting more comfortable and confident and just like getting into like just like getting it's it seems to get easier each time I do an episode um and I really like it um we've had some feedback already and it seems like everyone seems to be liking it thus far so um definitely have lots of plans for the podcast in the future we're getting some Paralympians who have our snowboarders on the podcast I'm working on that actually right now okay so lots of it's it's been fun though Um, okay it's definitely a, like a new experience but I feel like it's gonna really help um it's gonna take a bit of time but I mean we only started it in September right and we've already started getting lots of like followers from different areas already so that's pretty exciting to see that so right and that's one thing that I think is funny that um you know I I know when I first started with this podcast I didn't think that somebody from, you know, some faraway country was going to listen. <laughs> and so I would always just talk, you know, in gen- generalities, either around, you know, where I live in suburban Philadelphia um, mm-hmm. or, you know, the U.S. in general. And, you know, and somebody had emailed me from Italy and uh, some people had contacted me from India. And I thought, oh, wow. wow, you know, this is crazy. I never imagined somebody from there would um would find it interesting. But again, you know, every, there's, there's always something that, you know, somebody's interested in and you, right. you just don't know until you get it out there. And, exactly. Yeah. And that is, and that is very cool. So, uh, it is well, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's I been wish, fun so far. <laughs> yeah. I wish you luck with the podcast and how about, uh, I know you also have another website and I was actually I looking do. at that. I, you know, Max had posted on, 
uh, on Facebook and I, a while yes. back and I remember looking. Uh, why don't you talk about that, that other website? Yeah, so I have the podcasting website and then I also have uh, the Team Starfish website, which is, um, I've had that website for a long time, but we sort of like, we've done a huge revamp of the website. Okay. Um, so the podcasting website is specifically podcast podcast stuff. Okay. The Team Starfish website um, just sort of like describes my personal journey towards the Paralympics a little bit more. Okay. Um, it gives you like the type of training that I'm doing. It gives you like um, what that type of training looks like. Um, we're currently doing a whole bunch of updates on the website right now, but it is live now again. Okay. Um, it's called www.teamstarfish.ca. And okay. we have done a lot of like, re- we basically started from like the bottom up of the website. Okay. So there's not a whole lot of information on the website yet, but there are there's going to be a whole bunch more information coming on that website very, very soon. So, okay. Now are you doing, are you doing that? Do you, do you do the editing of that site or do you just, I do the, the editing for the, okay. I do the editing for the team Starfish website. And then okay. I'm Max, Max is doing all the editing for the, the podcast. The podcast. Website okay. For me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very cool. That is very cool. So, uh, and I'm assuming that um, if somebody wanted to reach out to you besides the websites, um, where could they find you? Are you on social media at all? I am on social media. Um, I have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, but I guess like the best way to get a hold of me on social media is through the Team Starfish page on Facebook. Okay. Or they can also email me, which I can give as well. Okay. So you can add that to the description. Okay. Oh, that'll be great. Okay. Is there anything that I haven't covered that you'd like to talk about? I just want to say like, thank you to everyone who has been like supporting me and thank you for having me on this podcast. It definitely means a lot to like get my name out there and just like network with more people out in the out in the big wide world. So right. thank right. you. Oh, you're, you're absolutely welcome. And uh, it has been a pleasure to have you on. And, uh, and again, I'll have all the information for Emily's contact info in the show notes. Uh, and this will be, uh, this podcast is going to be the I Can't See You podcast, episode 162. The show notes will be at icansee.com slash 162. Um, so Emily, I do appreciate your time today. And thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thanks so much to Emily for coming on and sharing her story. What a great story it is. And how awesome would that be to see her up on the podium? So Max, I guess you better learn the words to O Canada because I know you'll sing it better than I when she is receiving her gold medal either in a few weeks time or in four years if it's not this year's uh, Paralympics. And we really look forward to uh, watching Emily uh, compete in the Paralympics. And again, very excited about it for her. And uh, <laughs> I would love to go snowboarding like 15 years ago. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> so thanks again, Emily. I do appreciate it. If you want to check out the show notes for all the information that we've talked about, I can't see you.com slash 162. Remember, I can't see you sounds like a whole sentence, but it's only seven characters long. I C A N T C U dot com slash 162. And you'll find all of Emily's contact information, both her websites, her Facebook group, and stuff like that there. If you want to reach out to me, if you've got a show idea or you've got comments, good or bad, uh, it's okay. I can take it. 
You could swear if you want. Whatever you want to do, please reach out. 646-926-6350. You have up to three minutes. Please leave your name in town. If you do leave a message, I would appreciate that. You can also reach out via email. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening to episode 162 of the I Can't See You podcast. I really do appreciate it. I hope you're staying safe and you're well. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.